Lord, we come today desiring to rend our hearts to you. Help us to do so now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Recently, in the last week or two, both Mother Bree and Father Chase have threatened me about today's message. Both of them, at different times. They said I had to say something funny about either St. Valentine or Valentine's Day, that everything would be set up for me from there. But here's the thing, I just didn't want to talk about Valentine's Day or St. Valentine. It is inconvenient to me that today happens to be Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, because what I wanted to start off talking about today is dragons. Much more fun. But I did read yesterday in the Anglican Compass a great article called Greater Love When Valentine's Day is Ash Wednesday. And the author, Peter Johnson, reminds us of Jesus' words to us in John 15, 13. Greater love has not one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that love of Jesus, more than dragons, more than Valentine's Day for sure, that's what I really want to focus on today as we come to this Ash Wednesday. That's also a Valentine's Day. But first, I'm going to compromise for the sake of Father Chase and Bree and not to, be, um, not to get in trouble with them. So here you go. It's 7 a.m., but it's their fault. Why did the dragon break up with his valentine? Because he couldn't handle the heat of their fiery relationship. There you go. Mission accomplished. <laughs> now I can get to what I actually want to say about dragons. Last week... Maybe some of you who are active on social media might have seen this uh, theme that comes up every now and then where you pick like the beginning of a book or, that you really love or the, a section of a book that you really love and you, you type it out and then after that you put, and then the dragons arrived. And that was going around again last week, quite, quite popular, quite fun. And I want to share with you a few of my favorite ones that I saw. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the dragons arrived. That's, that's about right. <laughs> you know, chapter 3, that's pretty much where we get. Here's a, here's a good one for those of you that love um, Pride and Prejudice. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. And then the dragons came. <laughs> and let's, uh, there's no little kids in here today, but I bet all of you remember this one. This is George. He lived in Africa. He was a good little monkey and always very curious. And then the dragons came. Poor George. <laughs> in this passage today, our Old Testament passage today of Joel, Joel wants his readers to wake up. At 7 a.m., he wants his readers to wake up up. And there are so many spots in this reading that we saw starting at chapter 1. Chapter 2 is what we read today, but over and over again, where this phrase, and then the dragons came, you could insert it right in there, and it would make perfect sense. Now, Eve did a wonderful job of reading it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us back at chapter 2 again, um, like where Eve's reading about rend your heart, perfect. But listen to this, thinking about this, 
what's happening here, what Joel is warning us, this urgent call that he is calling to us. It's something like this. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will ever be again through the years of all generations. And right here, you could just go ahead and insert it. And then the dragons arrived. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them. But behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. As I'm reading through this, it's, I wonder if, if Tolkien, when he was writing his battle scenes in the Lord of the Rings, I wonder if he was thinking about these passages from Joel. Joel is urgently warning us to wake up and repent the day of the Lord is at hand. We, he calls us to rend our hearts, to tear our hearts, not our garments, not our clothing. I want to read 12 and 13. I won't read it quite so dramatically. This is what, the, this is what Joel calls the people to do, what he still calls us to do today, what we're here for today. Despite this day of the Lord that's coming, despite this judgment upon sin and evil, Joel says this, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And so we're here today to rend our hearts, not our garments, to our Lord. But most of you probably were here last year doing that same thing. And I hope that you're here next year on Ash Wednesday doing the same thing. Why can't we just really rend our hearts once and for all and just never have to do this again? I think we all know it's because we're really good at rending our garments, at outward appearance. But we're not so good at rending inwards, rending our hearts. And we're even worse at being gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As Anglicans, we're very aware of that, especially as often as we practice morning and evening prayer, every single time we're called to rend our hearts to confess our sins, both in the morning, in the evening, at midday, at any time of the day, because we know that we need to rend our hearts to God, to repent of our sins. And often, hopefully today, we truly do rend our hearts. We truly are repentant. We recognize our sins, and we truly are sorry. And then, a little later, the dragons arrive. They keep coming back, it seems like. No wonder Joel cries out in verse 14, who knows whether he will not turn and relent. But Joel, knowing that the Lord truly is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, Joel 
pushes on with his message of repentance. In verse 17, he urges, Let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord. That's a great idea, to urge the priest to pray for the people. I can assure you that Father Chase and Mother Bree and myself and the other priests here assisting at this church pray for you, especially when you ask us to pray for you. But the priest there that Joel was speaking of, the priest up here today, also need to rend their own hearts. This priest, me, I need to rend my own heart. I want to be a person who is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Sometimes I am those things, but in general I am not. So who can endure, as Joel asked, who can endure the day of the Lord? There is a priest. There is a priest who endured that day of the Lord for us. He is our great high priest. He is the one who fulfilled Joel's prayer when he cried out to God the Father on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or as Joel put it, spare your people, O Lord. Jesus is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is the one who endured the day of the Lord for us. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, for you and for me. As Joel prophesied in chapter 2, verse 32, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have repented and rent your heart to God by calling on Jesus, you have been saved. And God has poured out his spirit on you. The dragons of sin, doubt, and despair have lost their fire, their teeth, their claws, and their ability to kill. Revelation 19 and 20 speak of the great dragon Satan being bound and finally cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity, along with death itself. You can't kill someone who has already died. Paul says to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As we enter this season of Lent, we are reminded why we need to repent in the first place. We focus on our continued repentance because of the one who laid down his life for us and thereby saved us. We continue to long to be more like him, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, trusting that he will be the one who completes that work that he began in us. Remember today that you are ashes and to ashes you will return. But those who call on the name of the Lord, those on whom he has poured out his spirit, shall be saved from the dragons and from the ashes. Thanks be to God.